Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Broadcast from the Under the Sea Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Take a look into the world of koi ponds, water gardens, and the lifestyles of the aquatically obsessed. Meet the pros, hobbyists, and cover some no-nonsense pond advice straight from the field. The Pond Hunter, in the pursuit of all things aquatic. Here's your host, koi pond and water garden expert, Mike Gannon. Hey, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, anybody out there? What's going on, folks? Good evening. I say good evening, everybody. Hey, Pond Monster, you got yours on? Pond Monster, you listening? Call on the monster. How's everybody doing? Hey, it's springtime. You guys psyched for summer? I guess I'll I'll slow down a little bit. Um, Let's enjoy our spring a little bit here. You know, for a lot of us, it was a really hard-earned spring because we had a pretty tough summer. So, um, hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast. All right, all right, all right. We're getting things going along here. Um, we're coming to you from blogtalkradio.com, broadcasting around the world, and also broadcasting to you guys live tonight via streaming video on Periscope. Hey, hey Periscope people, how you guys doing out there? Um, so how's everybody doing? Tonight's show uh, is going to be a good one. Welcome to the Pond Hunter. I'm your host, Mike Gannon. Very happy to be with you guys here tonight. You guys are stuck with just me tonight. I don't have any... Hey, Jamie, glad to see you're doing good. I don't have any guests with me, so um, you guys are a little stuck with me this evening. And um, it's just me. We're all going to go round and round. Um, this will actually be the first show I've done without a scheduled guest. This is uh, episode... 30, and the show is going to be about great blue herons, Jamie. If you're a pond guy, you know what that'll be. Um, You know, I'm terrified. I'm terrified being alone tonight. I'm terrified of tonight's subject matter. It's a subject that sends shivers down, I think, every pond keeper's spine. It's a subject so unspeakable, not a guest would dare do the show with me. A subject so, well, I'll just tell you what the subject is. We're going to be talking about great blue herons tonight. That's right. Ardea Herodias, originally described by Linnaeus himself way back in 1758. This bird's got some history. And uh, as pond keepers, the heron is something all of us have to deal with at some time. And tonight, we're going to get down to what we are exactly dealing with when it comes to great blue herons. Uh, Are they big, clumsy, oafy birds, or are they smart, cunning predators? Do they really want to eat our fish? I think they do. Is there anything we can do about them? This and more we're going to be covering tonight. Tonight is really a subject for the aquatically obsessed. So I'm glad you guys are all here. And hey, you guys, don't make me do the show completely alone. Feel free to give a call to the show. The number is 914-803-4557. If you guys want to give a call in, you got a question, you got something to add, you just want to say hi, give me a call. I'm here. 914-803-4557. Or you can Periscope me or connect with me on Facebook. I guess I should log into Facebook if I'm going to be telling you guys to connect with me here. So, boom, done. I'm on Facebook. So, uh, however you guys want to connect is fine with me. 
You guys see my pond in the background? Yep, that time of year. So, um, you know, there's people watching the show on Periscope, and those who um, may not know what this broadcast is, um, welcome to the Pond Hunter radio broadcast and uh, the Periscope people. This is a show for people who are aquatically obsessed, people with koi ponds, water gardens, water features, people who live the aquatic lifestyle. Uh, like myself and so many of us. So welcome to the show, folks. I'm glad to have you guys here from Periscope. And again, if you want to call in, 914-803-4557. If you're tuning into the show and you don't know what a great blue heron is, probably could be anything, right? I mean, great blue heron, what the hell is a great blue heron? Is it a band? Could be. Could be a band. I saw great blue heron at Lollapalooza, man. They freaking killed it. They killed it. They were awesome. Um, maybe it's an old southern expression. You know, like, well, great blue herons. Great blue herons, Grandma. Get back in bed. Um, you know, like, bless your heart, one of those things. Could be a superhero, the great blue heron, the great blue heron versus Koi Man. Be an awesome movie. I would go see that. I would definitely go see that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start working on that. Don't you guys, you know, steal my... My ideas, please. That's going to be a great move. It's going to be big, I'm telling you guys. Um, unfortunately, it's not a band. It's not an old Southern saying, and it's not a superhero. Great Blue Heron is a predator. It's a pond predator, and um, it's coming to a pond near you. One of these days is going to show up at your pond as if you got, like, the best free sushi buffet going. So if not... Now, when? Because it's going to happen. It's it's a predator. It's a true predator. And y'all need to know some stuff about it because this bird is all over the place. Their range is from Alaska to South America. They go coast to coast here in the United States and uh, in the Americas in general. They can handle some really cold temperatures so long as the fishing is good. Um, they will stick around in an area and not necessarily migrate. Um And they can live in just about any type of wetland habitat, whether it's streams, marshes, even meadows, um, coastlines. They're actually found in developed areas, too. So it's a very, very adaptable bird. And chances are you have some herons not too far from you. Um, So at times, these birds have had a protected status. Um, they've been, you know, like I said, they have a long history. There's been times where they've been hunted almost to um, extinction. That was quite some time ago. And um, I know that the status of them can vary from state to state. So if you really want to know, you have to check your local states and see what they have to say about the great blue heron. But um, the population is very stable. I know that here in New Jersey, where I'm located, they have a protected status Um, as a threatened status, but that's mostly pertaining to their habitat, where they live, because where they live, it can be, um, their habitat can be lost very easily. So that's why they have that status of being a protected bird. Um, But it seems like they're everywhere. It seems like they're on every freaking street corner. It's ridiculous. Um, Luckily, they're pretty easy to recognize. They're large. I mean, it's a really large bird. That's a pretty good indicator. Um, first of all, so that makes it easy, easy. It's the largest heron in North America, the great blue. And if you see a huge slender bird with kind of like a curved S shaped neck hanging around your pond, chances are it's a heron. 
Um, they can, they're big, man. They can stand three to five feet tall. Their wingspan can be up to six feet across. It's a pretty substantial bird. It's our modern pterodactyl here. Um, so they're pretty, they're pretty cool. Um, the males and females look very similar. They're hard to tell apart like other birds. A lot of other birds, it's pretty easy to tell what's going on. But um, the bird is really a bluish gray color. I mean, when you look at it, it kind of looks gray, even though it's a blue heron. Um, has a white head and neck, um, some big plumage uh, feathers on its chest, and uh, has yellow eyes and a big, sharp, kind of creamy yellow beak, like a, a strong, sturdy-looking beak, not something you'd want um, going into your eye, <laughs> that's for sure. Used as a spear. I mean, that's how they, they do it. They just they spear things. Um, with a quick, powerful thrust, how a spear should be used. So, I'm really surprised this. It's actually a really beautiful bird. Um, it's just that it wants to eat our koi, man, and that's not cool. So we got to do something about it. And if you're trying to live the koi life, the great blue heron is probably the last visitor you're going to want to see at your pond. We all love having visitors at our at our pond as we're living the koi life. And um, speaking of living the koi life, I hope you guys were able to tune in to the last Pond Hunter radio broadcast. My guest was uh, Brizel Martinez. She is She's living the koi life. She came on, and um, it was a really cool show. I'm going to highly recommend it to you guys, of course. Go ahead and check it out. It was another Pond Hunter lifestyle segment. Every once in a while, we do that. And um, the last show was on living the koi life. Um, my Rizal again was my guest. She was great. Um, it's that episode is quickly becoming one of the most popular episodes out there. Um, the listener count just keeps growing and growing. She's a very popular pond professional, and she called in all the way from the Philippines, which was pretty cool. I mean, we have a 12-hour time difference here, so I was glad that we could kind of coordinate that and get it together. I think that's the farthest. Um, call coming in from a guest. I've had a couple of international guests, and that that is definitely the farthest. And uh, she was really cool. And we were basically just talking about living the court life. Um, she's very active in the industry when it comes to organizing like clubs and groups. And um, she's just really all over it. She's a lot of fun to watch. I kind of follow her stuff on Facebook and all that stuff. And she really does live the koi life. And currently, she's getting ready to launch the All Philippine Koi Society. Um, probably one of the funnest clubs that are out there that I see. So um, it was really cool, and I hope you guys will go check it out. Um, go ahead and check out episode 29. I'm sure you guys will like it. And thank you again, Brizel, for coming on and sharing that time with me. That was a lot of fun to do that with you, and uh, you were an awesome guest. That was episode 29, everybody. So go ahead. You guys can check that out. You guys can check out all the past episodes of the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast on um, iTunes. You guys can find the archives there. You can also find it on blogtalkradio.com slash thepondhunter and all the, the old shows. Um, there's great stuff there, man. A lot of good content. If you guys are aquatically obsessed, if you guys are into um, ponds, go check it out. A lot of good stuff there. You can listen to the shows your convenience. Just download it. You can listen on your desktop, on your smartphone, on your smart device of choice. How about that? You can listen to it anytime, walk, working out, walking around, cleaning the house. Um, and if you subscribe, which I hope you, to, you do, and maybe give me a follow, um, the new episodes will be delivered right to you. So why don't you guys go ahead and do that. 
Why don't you guys go take care of that right now, and I'll wait. I'll keep going. Um, you guys can watch the show live every time. So now when I'm doing the broadcast um, through my podcast, I'm going to uh, do what we're doing right here. I'm going to do the Periscope deal. So you guys can watch and see what's going on. Isn't this fascinating? I mean, you know, how do you guys not tune in? Um, guys out on Periscope, give me a follow too. I'm I'm new to Periscope, so it'd be nice to see um, some of you guys kind of coming along there. I'd be happy to have you guys do that. So go download Periscope. It's an app that um, is fairly new, I guess. It's new to me, um, and you can watch live streaming stuff. It's pretty pretty interesting. People all over the world just streaming their stuff like I'm streaming my stuff right now. So um, let me know you're out there. Subscribe to the show or the podcast streaming format. Don't let me down, you guys. Go ahead and do that. And um, that way you guys can catch the next show too. On the next show, it's going to be a good one. I have um, one of my pond heroes coming on. The pond father is coming on. He's going to come on to this show. Guys, got to tune in for this. The Pond Father will have an episode of The Pond Father Knows Best. Gary Whitstock, he's going to be joining me, everybody. He's going to be coming on to the show. Most of us know him as The Pond Father here in the industry. Gary is one of the pioneers of 21st century pond keeping. I mean, he was right there, right on the cutting edge. He really helped to popularize um, pond keeping um, now, like who we are, 21st century pond keepers. He was really at the forefront of all, all that, and he played a huge part in changing how um, modern pond keepers keep their ponds. He was right there on the cutting edge, pushing the envelope, and I'm really excited to have him coming on to the show. The Pond Father Knows Best. This will be a great show. We're going to focus on ecosystem ponds, um, what they are, how did they come about. Ecosystem ponds are by far the most popular methodology of construction um, and filtration with modern pond keepers, you know, and why shouldn't they be? They're beautiful. They're easy to maintain. Um, they're perfect environment for koi, goldfish, aquatic plants, um, all the critters, all the um, ecosystem elements that come together in that. I mean, they really are um, the perfect way to do it. If you like frogs, dragonflies, all those pondy things, an ecosystem pond is the way to go. And um, when they're done correctly, of course, like anything, like anything, there can be mistakes paid, made and things could go wrong. But um, the pond father and I are going to get into all sorts of stuff about ecosystem ponds. And that will be episode 31. Please be sure to tune in and check that out. Gary Whitstock will be my guest, the pond father, talking ecosystem ponds. I can't wait. He is one of my pond heroes. It's going to be pretty awesome. Pretty good. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. So what else is going on out there in the pond world? Um, hey, Facebook users, uh, are you looking for another pond-related group to join? There's lots of them to choose from, and now there's another one, <laughs> but it's for New Jersey pond keepers. It's the New Jersey pond keepers group on Facebook and um, check it out, Jersey Ponders. It's a group just for you guys, and it should be an interesting approach to the group because it's really meant to be um, kind of a real-time um, group with relevant information to people keeping ponds in this area. So 
I mean, it should really work out well for everybody. So go ahead and check that out. There'll be things like weather, weather alerts, heron alerts, um, pond keeping tips, and more for New Jersey pond keepers. Join today. Post a picture of your pond. Hopefully you're from New Jersey. Um, I'd be glad to see you guys there. I'm a member. Hope you guys have been watching the new reality TV show, The Pond Squad. They're back. The guys from Aquascape are back for season two of The Pond Squad, and you guys can catch it now anytime, anywhere. Also, you can watch it on your smart device. You can catch them on YouTube now. Um, you don't have to tune in on a specific night and time to Nat Geo Wild. They are on YouTube. So go ahead and check them out. Greg, Ed, Brian, and Chris, they're back, and they are bringing us amazing projects and some cool Pondy people you can check out um, the Pond Squad by subscribing to the YouTube channel. And um, it's another show for aquatically obsessed Pondy TV, um, bringing the lifestyle to the masses. The Pond Squad, everybody. Go check them out on YouTube. And uh, they have new episodes coming out frequently. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tonight's shout-out is to um, Periscopers. I'm glad to be on the the uh, Periscope Air. So, everybody, peace. Okay, so how about a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to get a little more into um, our topic tonight. So, our sponsor is, of course, Full Service Aquatics. Do you love your pond? Full Service Aquatics Water Garden and Koi Pond experts can give you a pond you can live with. Full Service Aquatics, an award-winning water garden, koi pond, and water feature design and installation firm has been creating amazing aquatic environments since 1995. Got waterfall? Full Service Aquatics can make your old waterfall or pond look like new with our waterfall, koi pond, and water garden renovation and repair services. Visit FullServiceAquatics.com or call 908-277-6000 to speak with a Full Service Aquatics pond professional today. That's FullServiceAquatics.com or 908-277-6000. Full Service Aquatics, a pond you can live with. Visit LoveYourPond.com. A pond you can live with, Full Service Aquatics, baby. The service techs from Full Service Aquatics are very busy right now out in the field opening people's ponds, getting things going, starting the season right for a whole bunch of people. It's that time of year. And, uh, you know, we've been out building projects, changing landscapes into aquatic paradises for quite some time now, doing it one backyard at a time, creating a pond you can live with. So... Uh, give Full Service Aquatics a call today to get on the calendar. The pond season is in full swing, everybody. It's here. And if you're not in the New Jersey area, be sure to contact your local pond professional. How great is it to have a pond pro on your speed dial? Just Google Pond Services Your State, and local pond professionals should show up. If you ever want a recommendation, just get in touch with me. I'll give you somebody to talk to who's local to you. Be happy to do that. I will hook you up with a great pond professional in your area. It's pond season, everybody. Time to get with it. Great blue herons, man. Get with them, man. Great blue herons. So I always advise people when it comes to um, predator control to use a multi-level approach with predator control. Regardless of what's preying on your pond. There, there's no real, so many of the controls that 
we're going to talk about can also be applied to other types of predators. Our focus is going to be on the great blue heron, but there's lots of pond predators, and many of the methods that we're going to talk about can be applied to them as well. So um, one of the things people should always take into consideration is putting predator controls into place during the pl planning process of your pond. This, you can start protecting your pond on the front end with proper planning. A lot of people don't plan for predators. Um, they react to them, and uh, predators will show up and end up, you know, kind of causing some damage. So you want to be prepared. So part of that should be in the planning process. So a great defense for um, that you can plan on the front end is a deep pond. You know, um, you don't want to go too shallow. It, it makes it very easy for a lot of the predators. Going to a depth of three feet when building your pond is a great way to begin predator. Have limited access around the edges of your pond. Um, if you can, try to have some nice, deep, vertical walls. So, you know, it's just maybe some areas that go right down to three feet. Um, that would be beneficial when it comes to predator controls. And it can be a cool aesthetic element as well. Of course, you can still have shallow waters where you have shelves. So you can do plantings and all that kind of stuff and have the cool aesthetics of, of shelves and those varying um, depths within your really important and you should also plan on having fish caves and fish tunnels put into your pond that's a great way to um, deal with predator issues on the front end and when you plan to have them they can look really amazing you could always put them in afterwards and a lot of people do and luckily there are some products out there that will allow you to do that um, but they're not always the best looking choices they're certainly functional um, but sometimes it's not fun to see those in your pond. Um, so remember, when you're planting your pond on the front end, try to think, you know, you may have a predator showing up. When you offer caves and tunnels to fish, um, they have somewhere they can go when they feel threatened. They can actually disappear within the pond whenever they feel threatened. And there's some other great benefits to caves and tunnels, too. Fish love them, first of all. It's, it's a place to get out of the sun. Fish don't like being in full sun. Um, that's just not a great thing for a fish to, to do, to be in full sun. It actually opens them up to predators because of their reflective skin and scales. So most fish, you know, any type of fish, we're not, not just koi, most fish do not like to be in full sun. So offering a cave is a great thing to do for them to get out of the sun. And koi in particular can actually get sunburned. So, um, offer them a cave and they have somewhere to go when that sun is just beating down on them and somewhere to go and talk about you you know, plan stuff about you. Um, and they look really cool inside of a pond. It's a cool element. When you're kind of looking in your pond and your fish go into the cave or tunnel, they go in one side, they disappear for a while, and then they come out the other side. That's cool. I like that. I think it's pretty cool. So it, it's a cool element to a pond design, and it's a functional element, and it is definitely a very powerful predator control as well. So depth, caves, those are things that you really need to be looking at doing. Um, the koi castle, you know, I talked about things you can put into your pond. The koi castle is one um, a, a product on the market that you can use. That's a brand name um, for the koi castle. You can put it in after your pond has been built and it offers a place for fish to hide and they utilize it. You'll see when you when you put that stuff in, they utilize it. So give them something. If they, they want to use it, give them something on the front end. 
um, and that way you're going to do a lot better. Strategic planning of things like aquatic planting areas, landscape plantings to kind of baffle um, herons or predators. If you strategically plant things, you can really limit access to your pond as well and make it beautiful. And aquatic plants are going to perform a function in your pond. So you're winning on all these different levels. But that's something that um, you should seriously consider. And sometimes a, a beautiful landscape display can be completely baffling to a great blue heron. So remember to keep that in mind as one of your strategies. Keep in mind, too, all of these strategies that we're talking about have strengths, weaknesses, limitations. There is no one silver bullet that's going to work for us. It has to be a multi-level approach. Hopefully, it can be done in that way, in a way that won't inhibit the viewing pleasure of your pond. Um, that would probably be the biggest objection to any method of control. How does it look by the pond? Because we want our ponds to look great. We want to enjoy them. We already talked about some of the things you can do in the planning process of your pond. Um, plan for the deep areas. Plan for strategic aquatic planting areas. Plan for strategic landscape planting. Every one of those can be done in an aesthetically pleasing way um, when you plan for it on the front end of your pond. So be diligent in that, especially if you guys are getting into it um, and planning to build a pond. Probably one of the most popular predator controls that are out there would be the decoy, that heron decoy. Um, it's a fairly inexpensive method, maybe 60 bucks, something like that, 45 bucks up to 60. Um, with any of these methods, I think if it works one time, it's worth it. Even if it only works one time, it, it's worth it. So the The strategy with these is to place them right up close near the edge of the pond. And the idea is that the heron are solitary hunters. So if it's planning to prey upon your pond, it, of course, is going to do its homework and scout everything out. So if it sees another heron by the edge of the pond, chances are it's not as likely to come down and, and want to um, compete for that space. So it's going to make them think twice. And that that's part of the whole thing there. Herons are, are, you know, pretty smart. So you want to put a little bit of doubt into your mind, into their minds. And um, the idea is that they're solitary hunters, so they're not going to come around if they see another one. But again, not the magic bullet. A more aggressive heron may come down, even possibly attack your decoy. Um, herons are pretty smart, and they may stalk your pond and observe the decoy heron long enough to realize that it's not a threat. It's kind of like us looking at a mannequin. You know, at first, if you just come across a mannequin, it might be startling, but you look long enough and you just know it ain't the real thing. Um, herons are pretty smart. Um, they got amazing eyesight. So these little, you know, plastic decoy herons aren't, aren't the magic bullet. But if they work once, you know, it's good to have. So... A heron decoy could possibly attract a heron too if it's breeding season. So be careful of that. A customer of mine uh, showed me a video he took. He has like everything around his pond on video. And um, fish are disappearing. He wanted to know what it was. Want to make sure it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, and he saw that a heron was coming. So he started filming and filming and got all this footage. And then one day he calls me. He's like, I got to see this. So he sends me over a clip of a heron landing in his yard and just beating the hell 
out of a decoy heron. I mean, it went on probably for like 15 minutes. Um, it just beat the crap out of this little fake heron. And um, it was pretty funny. The the real heron won that fight, by the way, in case you guys are wondering. Um, one of the downsides of the heron decoy is that your fish get used to having a heron on the side of the pond. They get used to that presence. Fish are very aware of their environments. So they can see out. Um, and see what's going on. So when they see that heron there, just sitting there, they kind of lose their fear instinct of it. So when a real heron shows up, their, um, you know, the panic that you want them to feel may not be there. So there is the downside to it as well. There's always downsides to to probably everything. Um, you just don't want them to lose that fear. You want them to be afraid in some ways. Some of the other decoys you can use are as simple as those wooden cutouts. Those those black kind of shadow wooden cutouts. We've all seen them. Um, they're used on golf courses a lot to keep away geese and all sorts of things, like a black cutout of a German shepherd, something like that. That could go a long way. And it doesn't have to be up next to the pond. That doesn't look good, but it's got to be in proximity to the pond. You want to make sure that a heron sees it, is aware of it. And when they see that, it's going to put down into their mind. Do they want to go and try to deal with a German shepherd? You know, they may not. They may. But if it works once, that's what it's all about. So those are pretty cool. Um, and again, you just put it in proximity to your pond. It does not have to be right up against the pond. It does not have to be up against it at all. So um, it would be kind of unsightly to do that. You know, you don't want your pond looking too funky around the edges. And um, again, the strategy for those is just to put some doubt into the mind of the heron. Um, you just want to not feel comfortable in the environment around your pond. You you want it to be nervous. You want a heron to be on edge. You don't want like 3D decoys. Um, I've seen them of like wolves or, or coyotes maybe is what they are that are available. You pop one of those somewhere in your yard and that's going to help. I would say that's definitely going to help. Um, it doesn't have to be right next to your pond. I, I wouldn't want it right next to my pond. It's, it's kind of funny looking. Think of when a heron is sitting on your roof, because chances are that's what it's going to do at some point to get advantage of the yard, to know where it can go to get its meal, what's the safest path to get to the pond. And if it's up on your roof and it sees a snarling coyote sitting in the corner of your yard, um, that's going to put some serious doubt into its mind, whether it wants to, is it hungry enough? Is it desperate enough to come down and challenge a coyote for this hunting space? And I would say most of the time it's probably going to be no, you know, so that's, that's a great strategy to use. The strategy of doubt. You want that bird to question whether it can really go down into the yard. Um, another cool decoy is actually the decoy. Um, these are artificial koi. They're really realistic, plastic, artificial koi. Um, they're floating. You anchor them so they just sit right below the surface of your water. And the idea with this, th this is like a last line of defense type of strategy because in order for it to work, the, koi, the heron has to be in your pond. But here's how it works. You have this decoy floating just below water level. Um, you want to place it in an area that it's going to... You know, attract the heron because it's going to go for the easy stuff. So if it sees this fish, this juicy, beautiful koi just sitting there very still, and it seems like an easy catch, it's going to go after it and basically struggle with it, which hopefully is going to trigger that panic response from your koi. And hopefully they're going to 
take off to the deepest part of your pond, disappear into the caves and all that stuff. So that's the strategy behind those. But again, last line of defense, but if it works once, it's completely worth it. It's meant to put your fish on high alert so uh, the heron can't spear your fish. Um, some of those last line of defense strategies work pretty well. Um, there's also decoys like alligator heads, hippo heads, and all sorts of scary stuff that you can float around your pond. Um, and if that floating hippo head works, it's worth it. Um, another decent decoy is the the owl. So you can get it looks it's a great horned owl, I believe is what it's supposed to be. Just a plastic, very you know real life replica of of an owl. Um, which is not something that, you know, a, a heron may necessarily want to come around, may or may not. But they're pretty cool. I mean, you can get a static one that just sits there by your pond, or you can get the kind where its head actually kind of spins around a little bit. It makes noises, and it's motion activated. So when the heron kind of breaks that field of the motion sensor, this thing activates and hopefully is going to scare away the um uh, heron, but you know it also keeps away a couple other things too. Like I have nice morning doves that come and hang out at my pond, and uh, you know a, a, an owl is going to scare them away. So you got to kind of measure and uh, decide which way you want to go with it. So you know, ideally, we want to keep the heron out of the pond. Last line of defense is not what we want to be hoping for. And there's a couple things you can do to obstruct the heron's entry into your pond. Of course, there is netting the pond. Netting is highly effective, highly effective. It's not my favorite. Sometimes it's necessary. Um, netting your pond will absolutely keep the heron from taking your fish, but I'm not saying that it won't keep the heron from trying to hunt and prey upon your fish because um, it still may. And I've seen it. And it doesn't mean it's going to get the fish, but it's going to be, still be able to spear them. It's still going to be able to do some damage, um, unfortunately. So, you know, as great as they are, at least we'll have the satisfaction of knowing that the heron didn't get a meal, which is um, kind of important when you're, you know, chalking things up of you versus the heron. It's like spy versus spy. So, but anyway, um, he may not get the meal, but they can do some damage. And I've noticed, I was thinking about it because... Usually when people are installing netting, they make it very taut, very tight. So um, they're trying to keep debris, leaves, and material from getting into the pond. And you want it tight. You want it strong so it's not soaking in your water. But when it comes to installing a net for predator controls, I'm going to suggest you guys do it kind of loose. Um, don't make it so tight because a really tight net could probably support the weight of a heron pretty easily. And if you make it loose, it can't really... Um, maneuver that well. It's going to be sinking into the water and, and just getting all caught up in the net. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to um, get flustered and it's going to scare the fish and that way they can hide where? In their caves. So um, that's going to be a strategy I recommend. Netting is, is highly effective. Keep it kind of loose and it's even more effective um, and that should work out pretty well. One of the things that makes it really difficult in um, protecting your fish is that by nature they're friendly and they're curious and they're social fish. So I mean they're they they know every square inch of their environment. So when something new comes along, anything um, new comes along, they check it out. 
So if they see something in the pond in their home that wasn't there five minutes ago, they're going to go and check it out, you know, no matter what it is, even if it's a heron, unfortunately. I had one time, it was actually an egret, a great white egret, which is some people just call it a heron. It's as big as a heron. Um, it's pure white. It's a beautiful bird. It's a stunning bird. Um, so this egret comes down to my pond. It's only happened once. I've had a bunch of herons. I've only had one egret. So I saw it. I'm in my house and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to watch this guy. I'm going to see what he does. I want to study and see kind of what his approach is. And I'm watching him figure things out and go around the pond. So he chose where he was going to go in and access the pond. And I'm just sitting um, watching all this happen. And I let him go into the pond. I wasn't going to let him eat my fish, but I let him go into the pond, and I would say in less than two minutes, my fish swam up to the bird, like the whole crew. Like, everybody was like, hey, man, cool. Welcome to the pond. It's very upsetting. Um, I like to think my fish are smart and well-adjusted, um, but I tell you what, that was just, that was that was stupid. That was stupid of them. Um you know, I feel like I, I could have lost fish. So, of course, I mean, once it got to that point, I, I made sure that I chased away the heron. Um, but, man, oh, man, just not something that you really want to see uh, <laughs> is those guys eating your fish. So, but, but the fish just came right up to them. So, I mean, I got it. I'm sure your fish are much smarter than mine, but there's a good chance that they may do the same thing just because they're so curious. So, I think. Um, Another great way to protect your pond when you're not doing netting is to use fishing line. And um, this is a trick I, I took. I mean, I've heard about it other places, but I know the koi breeders use it a lot. So I use a 50-pound test clear nylon fishing line. And I found that very effective. It's very strong. It's easy to install. And my um, method of using that, the strategy is to not let the heron into the pond. So my method is to go around the perimeter of the pond. I run one line at about 18 inches high. A30 baffle that won't let it go below that fishing line. And it's probably not going to jump over the fishing line. And if it does, I've gone around the pond. Now I'm going over the pond too. So I would make a grid with my fishing line. And, um, a two-foot square grid is is good. And, um, you know, the, the idea with this is that if it gets into the pond, it can't really maneuver. It's, it's stuck within these small areas. A one-foot square grid actually would be much better. So let me revise my um, advice here and say a one-foot grid would be much better. So if you could picture that, clear nylon fishing line, one foot open grids above your pond, especially if you're getting hit hard, that's really, really an effective way to do it. It's going to be very difficult for a heron to get in there and do any damage. They're going to get in there. They're going to be flustered. They're going to make a noise. They're going to struggle. Um, they're not going to be thinking about the fish anymore. They're going to be thinking about getting out of this unfriendly environment. And besides that, your fish with is really good. 50 pound test, clear nylon fishing line. I recently saw a black fishing line. I've been thinking about playing around with that to see what the difference is on on how it looks. So, you know, that, that will be some information that I'll have coming your way. 
Uh, how are we doing on time? Okay, we're pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, your fish are curious and friendly, and they just, you know, maybe a little bit dumb. <laughs> so, but anyway, at least my fish were friendly. They were like, "Hey, welcome to the pond, man. Welcome to our pond. This is a great place." Um. And as a side note, the egret completely ignored the uh, heron decoy I have on the side of my pond that was like six feet away from him. Didn't matter. He just came right in. Um, another reason why uh, depth can be a great strategy is that the, the heron and the egret, these are wading birds. So um, they don't swim. They don't dive. Uh they really don't like to get wet for an aquatic bird. They actually don't like to get wet. So most steps greater than 18 inches will be helpful um, with predators, preferably a lot greater than 18 inches. And conversely, those steps that are less than 18 inches make it very easy for predators. So, you know, you don't want to uh, provide that 18 inches you, you know you're you're going to be a sushi palace the party the party is going to go down as quickly as you can put the fish out they're going to be getting eaten up so you really want to be careful with your depths and again it's important because with the heron you know a lot of people say they need a landing strip because they're such a big bird and in a sense that's true but they don't, you know in my mind i think of a landing strip and needs this big area they really don't need a big area they can they can um drop down in a small patch of grass um, but basically, it really is that they don't drop down into your pond. They won't drop down into the water like ducks, like geese. Like they'll just boom, just drop right into the water. Herons won't do that. Herons want to land, walk up, check it out. They're very cautious. They're very calculated. And then they wade into your pond. They're wading birds. So um, that's where depth comes in really good. I mean, a heron could land on your roof, it could land on a neighbor's roof, and then just, you know, kind of drop down level by level. So it doesn't need a big area. So don't, that is not um, a good, if you're resting on that as a strategy, don't go by that because you find out, unfortunately, that that doesn't work. We've done ponds in people's um, townhomes where they have these little tiny backyards, fenced in backyards, and actually pretty well covered, and they've had heron issues. So you know, you just want to be really careful about that. Um, basically, it's kind of like when the herons are going in search of food, they go cruising. I mean, and and they have great memories. They'll come back to the same pond. I think, and this is just, you know, just kind of making this up, but I think they, they have roots. <laughs> they know where they see food. They know where they've gotten food, and they remember it, and they kind of hit all these different places uh, to see if they can score again. And a lot of times we really do. We just stock the food right back up for them. So um, that is what it is. But what they're doing is they're cruising around 80, 90 feet. Um, they're looking for reflections of water coming up from the ground. That reflection could be your pond shimmering in the sunlight. And when they see that, they're going to go down and investigate. They'll investigate anything from swimming pools to, of course, your pond to just, you know, bodies of water that have nothing in them. And if they see these bright orange little juicy fish and koi and goldfish in there, I mean, they're more likely, of course, to come down and take a look at it. So that's kind of their strategy. They're going to cruise up 80, 90 feet. They, they see these this glimmering pond. They're going to circle around. They usually don't just come right down. They are calculated. They are careful. Uh, if you watch them, they kind of circle coming down a little bit lower. 
And if they feel safe enough, they'll land either close to the pond or on a roof or something like that and come down and try to uh, get into your pond. So that's what they're doing when you see them up there. Um, and essentially, it's to make sure that the area is safe for them. Of course. I mean, it, it's, they don't want to be bothered. They just want to have a meal and be on their way. So um, some other types of strategies you can use. There's some very like techie type of strategies. Um, I think one of the good ones are, some of the good ones are the ultrasonic devices. So those are basically, you know, you plug them in and um, they emit an ultrasonic sound, something that's very uncomfortable. And it is supposed to work very well in keeping away birds and other types of predators. Uh, it's not supposed to bother domestics like dogs and cats and stuff like that. It's not supposed to bother us at all. Um, I have been around them where I feel like I could hear this very high pitch. Not that it's obnoxious or anything, but I just I don't know if it was completely comfortable for myself either. But if it works, it works. It also works against, I mean, this is technology taken from another industry. It works against small animals like mice rodents. If you got chipmunk problem, you know, think about that. Think about ultrasonic. Um, mink, mink are really, really hard. Ultrasonic can work well with mink. So I've been told, I don't have mink in my area, but from the feedback I've gotten, mink can actually do pretty, um, I know that they can decimate a pond, but the ultrasonic devices should work really well for them as, as also. And it's a plug and play. You plug it in, you walk away, and it's going to emit its ultrasonic sound and keep those birds away, hopefully. Now, the downside of that is that it keeps birds away. So if you enjoy those little songbirds and cardinals and morning doves and all these different species coming to your pond, um, just realize those are going to kind of go away too. So, you know, again, you have to measure if you're a birder, you probably don't want the ultrasonic device. You're going to look at other means to keep um, the heron specifically away. So there's downsides to to a little bit of everything. Um, some of the other oh, another one that's uh, the scarecrow is a good kind of techie device. Scarecrow is a motion activated. Um, basically, what it does is shoots a bl it blasts water at whatever's within the area to it. So you hook it up to your garden hose. Um, it's a motion-activated detector, so if it detects motion, it will actually turn to that area and just shoot a blast of water in that direction. It is very effective. It works well. Uh, it works well against everybody, including pond guys. Believe me, I've gotten blasted many times. But uh, that can work really well. The downside of those is that herons can be so stealth that the their motion is not actually picked up by the motion detector. They need the motion detectors need a little bit of bold movement for them to really um, work that well. So, But they're pretty easy to use. Uh, again, those two, you just kind of plug them in, position them close to your pond, and you're good to go. Another one uh, that I used that was really funny, I thought it was funny, was um, <laughs> it's a motion activated, again, um, but this one gave off calls from predators, from other predators. So you know, um, bigger predators is what what it would kind of broadcast out around the pond. So when you broke that, when you when you activated it, it would be like a scream of a bald eagle, which I'm sure a heron doesn't want to hear. 
um, there'd be snarling noises like from a coyote or a wolf or something like that. There was another noise that, I mean, to me, it sounded like a monkey screaming. But all these crazy noises that it just generates one after another. Um, it works great at scaring wives and kids and children. I know that because I used it mostly for that. Um, but I'm sure it works very well with herons, too. Um, and, and I'm sure also it's going to have your neighbors wondering what the hell is going on at your house where there's monkey noises coming out every uh, every few minutes or so. But there's a lot of stuff that you can check out in the techie type of um, predator controls, which, you know, probably going to work pretty well for you. If you do a Google search for predator controls, there's tons of stuff out there. I mean, you're going to see reflective tape, um, big floating eyeballs, uh, stuff that activates in the wind and spins and do does all these dances and does all these things. So all these contraptions, um, kind of fun stuff, you know, sometimes. Some of it looks a little ridiculous, too. I haven't tried everything. I'm not sure of their, of their effectiveness, but a lot of these things are pretty inexpensive. So if it works once again, I mean, you know, it's worth it. So I would say give those a try. Um, and if it's something that you don't mind having around your pond, hey, just do it. Or even in proximity to your pond. Again, you don't, it doesn't have to be right up against your pond, these different um, methods that you're trying. So that's definitely something for you guys to consider. There's a lot of different ways to go about keeping the heron away. So it just takes a little bit of um, research, listening to shows like this, doing some reading. Um, you're going to get some really good ideas. Or you could always get a dog. A dog is going to be like, you know, one of the best uh, heron deterrents out there. Just let them bark away and uh, that heron is not going to come around. So, you know, I've revealed for you guys some of my favorite methods of predator control, but I am making you guys wait for my favorite. And uh, this is this is a good one. So my secret weapon in the Battle of the Great Blue Heron is a talk radio. Just a cheap, inexpensive talk radio you can pick up from Radio Shack or Home Depot or whatever the case. Something you can keep outside, not have to worry about getting all wet and ruined. And a radio tuned to a talk radio station is going to do wonders. Herons are very bold birds, but humans are the best predator protection, especially with herons. And they do not want to be around humans. So if you have, um, you know... Uh, your radio going and tune to a talk radio station, they're going to hear that human voice. And as bold as they are, um, chances are they're not going to come into an area where they think that there's human activity happening. It's just really, really unlikely that they're going to do it. It's my favorite method. I use it on my pond. I use a lot of different stuff in my pond, but that is my standby, and I have found it very, very effective. I haven't used a net and, you know, I know it's risky, but I haven't used a net over my pond since starting to use the talk radio method. And um, that's something that I think all of you guys should really consider. It's a great, great way to do it. You guys could play the Pond Hunter radio broadcast. I mean, this is talk radio. It'd be the best thing to play by the pond. I'll, I'll yell out every once in a while something to scare them away. If you want, you guys can just loop this show and it'll scare the hell out of great blue herons. Great blue herons, baby. Great blue herons. Um, so what else do we got? I just gave you guys my secret, my secret weapon. You guys could always just be a human. Go stand by the pond and be a human. That'll work. That's a great way to, uh, keep them away. I'll do it. You guys can hire me to do it. I'll charge in half day increments. I get Sundays off. 
but uh, I will come and stand by your pond and, uh, you know, we'll work something out. Email me. Call the office. We'll get it all set up for you. Okay. So, yeah. The outdoor radio, it's it's a pretty cheap solution, too. You know, you don't have to spend a lot. And if you guys have, some people have outdoor systems, you know, stereo systems, just crank some talk. Those birds, the herons are not going to come around. And yet, smaller birds will. So you're still going to get your songbirds and all that kind of stuff. They're not bothered by humans. They come around. All the other, you know, cute stuff that you want to see around your pond, that's still going to come around. Herons and serious predators will not be coming around your pond. So um, keep that in mind. Um, that's a really great thing to do. I think, you know, apart from their appetite for our fish, the heron, it, it's an absolutely amazing bird. It really is. I can appreciate it. I love animals. I mean, I love all types of animals. I can really appreciate it um, for what it is. If you guys have never seen one, they're gorgeous. They will stop you in your tracks, not just because they're big, but just they are just amazing-looking animals, amazing-looking birds. Um, and as someone who loves nature and loves all types of animals, I, I can really say that I can appreciate the great blue heron for, for what it is. They're pretty awesome. And uh, I just don't want to meet my fish. Generally, there's going to be periods where herons are more active than other times of the year, especially when they have babies in the nest that they need to feed. So that's, you'll see these kind of upticks in activity. I notice it. I get phone calls from customers. I mean, they all tend to come at the same time. And this is the time of year. So, I mean, it's, it's Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, everybody. Happy Earth Day. Um, this is the time of year. A great way to gauge when you think you're going to have heron activity is by looking at other animals because herons are very secretive. So go with something that's not so secretive, something that's really public, like the Canadian geese. Um, everybody has them, I think, pretty much. So when you see them walking around with their babies, with their goslings behind them, um, when you see those babies, just know that the heron has their babies to feed as well. It's just that the geese are very public about it. Herons are very private about it. So when you see them, you know that you need to be on high alert too. When you start seeing those babies um, cruising behind, you know that the heron has some babies too. And um, it's pretty interesting. Herons live in these huge colonies called rookeries. And uh, they'll have like two or three babies, um, which means they need a lot of food. And when you think about it, I mean, they're huge colonies. Um, they need a lot of fish, and they're going to be hitting ponds and everything in the area. And um, they're pretty brutal, the little babies. I mean, generally, the heron will end up with one chick because they're so aggressive towards each other. The dominant uh, baby heron typically will kill the other two. I mean, that's just the way it goes, you know, but that's just the way it goes. So heron activity really is going to ramp up when they have their babies. That's when they need a lot of food. That's when they're hitting ponds. I think other than that, I, I think they honestly prefer not to have to deal with backyard ponds, but when... They need a lot of food, and they see easy pickings. Um, they're going to come and hit these ponds. So um, uh, if they had their choice, they'd probably just do natural waterways. You know, I mean, why wouldn't they? Um, so remember that. They need to collect a lot of food when they got their babies in their nest. And um, they'll, they'll exhibit the risky behavior, and it is risky behavior for them to come into an environment where humans live. I mean, hey, look at my... Look at my waterfall. Can you guys see the fish? Yeah, see the fish swimming back there? Yeah, hopefully it doesn't get picked off by a heron. Um, so that's risky behavior for them, to come into our yards 
and they'll do it for their babies. But once, you know, the baby's a little grown, I think they go back to the natural waterways and don't spend too much time um, hitting us up. So something to consider. They're amazing hunters. They can stand completely still, basically motionless, in, in, moving in very, very slow motion. Um, and they are wading birds. They don't dive. They catch fish. They don't catch fish with their feet off the surface of the water. They spear them. And they're very effective. Um, they have to, because they're spearing fish, they have to get very close to their prey. So stealth comes in very handy for them. They get very close to their prey and they will spear them and swallow them like that. I mean, it takes uh, a fraction of a second. It's pretty impressive stuff. They're, they're pretty awesome, except when it's our koi. I mean, that's when it just sucks. Um, and remember, this is the time of the year. Heron activities are going to be ramping up. Their activity levels will, will ramp up. And this is, why, this is why I am talking to you guys about it now. I'm trying to make this a timely subject for you guys. If you guys have been struggling with what to do about a heron issue and your pond, I hope this episode helps you a little bit. And uh, on a final note, I hope all of you realize that I never suggested killing these guys. You know, a lot of people say, I'm going to shoot it, I'm going to kill it. And I can relate to that. I understand that. Um, I don't like killing anything, though. Uh, I think these birds are just doing what they do. I don't know if they necessarily need to die because of that. So um, that's not my thing. I just want to say, you know, I, I want to ask all of you to consider, instead of, you know, popping a cap in its ass, um, consider some of the other predator controls. I think um, you could do pretty well with it. You know, you don't need a gun. Um, use your gun for other stuff. But maybe not killing the heron. And if you miss, you get a hole in the liner, you got to call your pond guy, and, you know, we're going to charge you a bundle to fix it. You know that. Right? Right. Um, so that's why I go into so much about this multi-level approach and give you all these different ideas that you can do and you can use and you can implement to keep your pond safe. That's really what it's about to, for me. Otherwise, this episode could have been a lot shorter. I could have said, you know, hey, this is Mike. Go get a gun, y'all. Um, so anyway, um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground in the show on predator deterrence and um, for the great blue heron. But remember, all of these methods can and do apply to other types of predators as well. We just had a focus tonight on the great blue heron. So keep that in mind when you're planning your strategies to protect your livestock. And if you guys have any other suggestions or tips, other methods that I didn't get to, that I didn't think of, that I didn't recommend, please let me know. I would... I would love to know. I'd be happy to hear from you guys. Um, you guys can email me, you know. Um, my email is mike at fullserviceaquatics.com. You guys can also find more Pond Hunter stuff on YouTube, slash the Pond Hunter, Twitter, slash the Pond Hunter, Facebook, slash the Pond Hunter, and now on Periscope. Hey, guys, what's happening? Um, as a matter of fact, if you guys would like to see this broadcast live on video, you can go to and you can find this. Um, it'll be posted right after the show ends, which is um, coming on in just, it's going to be ending in just a little while. I think I have a caller. Let me see if I can get this caller here. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Caller, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear hey, me? Hey, caller, you're on the air. Mike, how you doing? Hello. Can you hear me? Hey, caller? I'm here. Okay. Well, I I had a caller. I couldn't I couldn't connect. I'm sorry. 
caller. <laughs> I was trying. Um, I apologize about that. Let me try this again. Jeez, oh, call call dropped. Technical difficulties. Um, but I appreciate the call anyway. Thanks, whoever whoever was calling in. Um, the video will come up in a little while on Twitter. So remember, New Jersey Pond Keepers, you have a new group on Facebook to join in case you do not belong to enough groups already and pages. This one will be good, though, because it's really specific to New Jersey Pond Keepers. It's going to help you guys out a lot. You can check it out on Facebook. The Pond Squad is back, everybody. Go check them out on YouTube, Season 2. Two episodes deep already. They got a lot of new stuff coming our way. Go check them out. See what the guys from Aquascape are up to, bringing you awesome new projects and inspiration. Um, let's see. Oh, hey, Tim, man. I'm sorry. Something's going on. I couldn't connect to you. I apologize about that. Um, but thank you for calling. It would have been nice to talk to you. Um, sorry, Tim. Uh, remember, on the next show, we are going to be talking to... Uh, we're going to be talking ecosystem ponds with the pond father, Gary Whitstock. He's going to be coming on. Be sure to tune in for an episode of the pond father knows best. It will be a great show for you guys who are aquatically obsessed and don't forget to subscribe to the show. You guys can get it um, sent to you right to your inbox. Great blue herons, man. Gary Whitstock's going to be on the show. Great blue herons. The show has flown by. No pun intended. So, Everybody, I'm your host, Mike Gannon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. My company is Full Service Aquatics. We are based in New Jersey. Uh, hey, Andrew, thank you. Great show. Cool. Thanks, Andrew. Woo! Um, we build and service amazing ponds, water gardens, um, water features of every type. You can check us out at fullserviceaquatics.com. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was great fun having you guys all along for the ride. See you next time, everybody, in the Pond Hunter Radio broadcast. You can listen to the archive shows on iTunes or at blogtalkradio.com slash thepondhunter. Good night, everybody. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in. And now we're going to sign out. You have been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio, the Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed.